I um, would like to begin the serv- uh, this portion of the service at least a little bit differently today, if that's okay with you guys. Um, knowing that it is September 11th, I was just thinking about that, thinking about our troops, and the fact that um, ever since September 11th, our troops have been deployed. Think about that. There's not been a time since that time that our troops have not been deployed somewhere overseas fighting these battles. I have a son who's in the military and training for special forces right now. We're very proud of him. And I was in the military myself. And I just wondered if we could pause and take some time to pray today for our troops. Um, And I was wondering... um, Kenny, would you mind uh, leading us in a word of prayer just for our troops today? And let's pray for them together. Especially keep in mind if you have some, some friends or neighbors, people you know, children maybe, that are, that are in the military right now, pray for them very specifically. Amen. Thank you so much for doing that, uh, Kenny. Well, let's open our Bibles together today to the book of Hebrews and chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, today we're going to begin, I, I was thinking about this idea of focus, and I was thinking about how a lot of times when a church was without a pastor especially, they can lose focus. So, <clears throat> I wanted us to kind of just take a look today at the Scripture together about how we can maintain great focus, about how the church can stay on task and stay focused, and about you as an individual follower of Jesus, how you can stay focused on Christ and the things that help keep us grounded and focused in the Word of God that helps us stay focused on Jesus Christ so that we know where we're headed. As I was thinking about this idea of focus, it reminded me of when I was a little boy. When I was a little boy, I was, I was hoeing behind my dad. It seemed like we were always working in the dirt somewhere. And I was hoeing a row behind my dad, and my dad was really good with that thing. He'd been using it all his life, and I was trying to keep up with him. I was hoeing a row next to him. And I was bound and determined to keep up. And I was bound and determined just to go as hard as I could. And I was hoeing and hoeing. I was going fast. I thought I was doing so good. I got to the end of the row. I was still behind him. He was still faster than me. But I got behind and to the end of the row. And I looked back at my row. And my row was as crooked as it could possibly be. It was so crooked, in fact, the whole thing had to be redone and had to be just, it was completely useless. And I was very frustrated. I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I said, why is it that my row looks like that and your row looks like that? Yours is straight as an arrow. He said, well, it's very simple, son. He said, here's what I was doing. The whole time I was hoeing, I was looking at a point at the end of the row, way down there, and I was focused on that. And the whole time you were hoeing, you had your head focused right there in the dirt. And you were just looking at what right was in front of you. And that's why you went off course. You ever think about that going off course? And how if you're just a little bit off course right here, 
and you're going to the back of the sanctuary, then by the time you get back to the sanctuary, you won't even know you're off course, right? You won't even know you're not focused. But if you're right here and you're just two degrees off course and you're going to Florida, then you're going to end up in Tennessee, right? And the reason is because it is a long distance race. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about staying focused today on the long distance race that God has placed us each in the race of faith. It says, beginning in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, these words in Hebrews can give us focus. It begins by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses it's referring to specifically is those in chapter 11. If you look in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it lists what some would call the faith hall of fame. And it lists Moses and Abraham and all of these great characters in the Old Testament and everything that they've done. And then it lists some people that it doesn't even lift their name, but it talks about how they were martyred for the cause of Christ. So it talks about all of these people who went through all of these circumstances and things. And it says we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. So if we are to remain focused first, we must remember the witnesses around us. Remember the witnesses around us. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I find it interesting in this passage that it doesn't say since we were surrounded, but it says since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The fact that all of these people in chapter 11 have gone on and passed on and died doesn't make any difference. It's as if there is present tense. A friend, I don't know if they can see us from heaven or not. I frankly don't know that I'm not sure the text tells us. Okay? But the point of the text is that we ought to run as if they can. I don't know if they can see us or not. But we ought to run in light of the witness that they left behind because their royal blood flows through our veins as we are the children of God, as we belong to Jesus Christ. They set the example that went on before us. Think with me just for a minute about the people that set an example for you. If it's too much to think about Moses way there in the past or Abraham way there in the past, think about the people that got you to where you are here today. You know, there's probably some godly grandmother or grandfather in your past that prayed for you the reason you are here. Maybe some godly aunt or some godly uncle. Or maybe you don't have anyone in your family of faith. Maybe it is your neighbor that you never even met that has been praying for your salvation. And that is the reason why you are here today. 
Think about the people who planted this church here. Did you know this is a church plant, by the way? This is a church plant. It just was planted a lot of years ago. But it was a brand new church at one time. And there were people with vision enough to put this church here because they needed a witness in Crothersville, Indiana. And they knew that there had to be a church here to reach the people for years and generations to come. And they put their blood, their, blood, their sweat, their tears, their prayers. They put their time and their energy into this to make this here today. Those are the witnesses that we went on before us. And we ought to run in light of those witnesses. Remember the witnesses. What a great cloud of witnesses, the Scripture says, is around us. We ought to remember the witnesses around us as we think about those witnesses around us. I think, I think, you know, surrounded by the cloud of witnesses, I think of church history. And I think about how many people were martyred over the Scriptures. Were martyred because they were found with a copy of God's Word. Were martyred as they were trying to translate the Scripture into languages that other people can understand. That were martyred so that you could have a copy of the English Bible. I think about those people in the blood-stained pages of this book. And then I think about how many of us have so many copies of God's Word in our own home and we don't even bother to read it. And I think, my goodness, sometimes I hope they can't see us. I don't know if they can. And then I think about the people who were martyred as witnesses because they would stand up and share their faith with people around them and they were martyred for the cause of Christ. And how many people are being martyred even today for the cause of Jesus Christ in other places around the world? And they're being martyred right now as we speak because they boldly proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And then I think, my goodness, I hope they can't see us. Because we have the freedom to share faith with people around us, yet we don't. No one is going to kill us if we do, and yet we don't. So we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and we need to remember them in order to stay focused. We need to remember the witnesses around us, but we also need to listen to the Spirit within us. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a, great a cloud of witnesses, in light of that, what should we do? It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. First thing it says is we need to lay aside the weight. If we're going to run with endurance, if we're going to run in a way that makes those who've gone on before us proud, if we're going to run in such a way that we follow the witness and the footprints of those martyrs that went on before us, if we're going to follow in their footprints and make them proud, if we're going to make Jesus proud of the way we live, then we have got to lay aside every weight. And the weight is what keeps us from running the race faithfully. The weight is what drags us down and keeps us from running the race faithfully. I think about the weight of entertainment today. 
Just as we were driving in here, we saw the same thing we saw last week. We saw these parachutes flying with like cars underneath them, like little go-karts, you know, that are in the, in the sky. I don't know what those things are called. I know some of you do, I'm sure. But I, I don't know what those things are called, but I saw them last week and they were going in the sky and Debbie looked at them and she said, you know, we ought to do that. She said, I think that's on my bucket list. And then this morning on the way in, we're driving and we saw the same parachutes. We saw three or four of them today flying together. And we looked up there and she said, that's not on my bucket list anymore. No, it's off. I'm not doing it. (laughs) And I think about that and I think that is the kind of things that compete with spending time with the Lord Jesus. I think, you know, that's wonderful. That's a great thing you could be doing. I I would enjoy trying to do that, but I think they could be in church on Sunday morning, couldn't they? And I think about how entertainment weighs us down. I think about the time we could spend in God's Word, yet we spend watching television. I think about the time we could spend in God's Word, yet we spend it doing other mindless activities that entertain ourselves. There's nothing wrong in and of itself of entertainment, but Satan would be glad for you to keep that in your life so much that you never run the race because of entertainment. I think about tradition. And tradition is a great thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with tradition in and of itself. But tradition can become such a weight that you don't reach your community for Christ. I think about the weight of entertainment. I think about the weight of tradition. And I think about the weight of laziness. And all of these things can weigh us down. So he says, let us lay aside the weights. And then he says, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. The sin that so easily ensnares us. You know when he's thinking about running these weights, you know the the way he used to run in the Olympics, Olympics just got over, and the way they used to run in the Olympics during the day that this would have been written in Rome is you know they would run naked. Now if they did that today, I wouldn't watch the Olympics. (laughs) Frankly, they're almost naked now when they run, aren't they, you know? But I, the reason they would do that is because they would, they, they, I guess they didn't have Speedos back then, so they would have the robe and the robe would entangle them and ensnare them and keep them from running. And so they would take that robe off and they would run that way. And he's saying we need to take off every sin that so easily wraps us up and entangles us and ensnares us and keeps us from running the race. Now, laying aside the sin is something that we have got to do. It is so important. Because there's so many times that we think that our sin only affects us. And we think we can hang on to our sin because our sin is just going to affect us. It doesn't really bother anybody else, so let's just hang on to it and let's keep it. Let's just do a poll. Can we do a poll? How many of you in here, I want you to be honest with me, how many of you in here have been hurt by someone else's sin in your life have been really deeply wounded because of someone else's sin. If that has happened in your life, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, now I want you to keep your hands up. 
And I want everybody to look around. With every hand almost raised in the building that have been hurt by someone else's sin in their lives, what makes you think that your sin's not going to hurt somebody else? You know what I'm saying? What makes you think that your sin's not going to affect anybody but yourself? And in fact, even if you are arrogant enough to think that your sin's not going to affect anybody else, let me tell you who it does hurt. It hurt Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, every time that you sin, especially as someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and every time you go back to that same sin, the Scripture teaches us that it's like crucifying Him afresh and anew every time that we continue in our sin. And if we continue in our sin, continue in our sin, and continue in our sin, don't you dare tell me that it doesn't hurt anyone else because Jesus Christ feels the pain every single time. He says that in Hebrews. It's like crucifying Him afresh, putting ourselves in danger of the judgment of God. And in Numbers, I'm gonna, I want to just share a couple other verses with you real quickly. In Numbers, chapter 32, verse 23, it says this, we have it up on the screen as well. It says, but if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Friend, that means if we don't lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, that eventually your sin will come back around and it will find you out. And if you don't confess it before God and get right with it before God, then God will expose it before man and you'll get right about it eventually. He'll expose it. You know what else the Scripture says? It says in Psalm 66, 18, I believe we have that up there as well. It says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. How many times have we heard that God hears all of our prayers every time we pray? I've heard that over and over again, that God hears every prayer, He hears every prayer, He hears every prayer. And then I read the Scripture and it says He doesn't. The psalmist said, if I hold iniquity in my heart, if I have known sin that I hide in my heart, that I refuse to get rid of in my heart, that the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66, 18. Some of us, our prayer lives are hindered because the only prayer that Jesus is waiting for us to pray is a prayer of repentance and asking Him to forgive us of our sin and turn away from our sin. And He will not hear your prayers until you repent that's what the scripture says that's not what I say that's what it says in Psalm 66 18 that a sinful heart hinders our prayer life think about the implications of that how many people have you prayed for but yet the prayer doesn't go any higher than the roof of your mouth how many people have you prayed for that needed your prayers? But they didn't get them because we hold iniquity in our heart. So he says we need to remember 
the cloud of witnesses around us. And in order to do that, we need to listen to the Spirit within us and get rid of the sin and wait. Allow the Spirit of God to convict us of that sin and get rid of this sin and wait in our lives. And then he goes on to say that we need to examine the road ahead of us. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is marked out before us, the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love this part of the passage. Because he says, let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. That literally means marked out ahead of time for us. What that means is that God has some stuff for you to do. God has some stuff for you to do and that He wants you to get it done. There are some people that only you can reach, that your pastor won't reach, that your deacons won't reach, that no one else will reach, but God has placed them in your life because you're the one that's supposed to reach that person. That is your race that is marked out ahead of you. I don't want to be one of these people that run the race and then get to the end of the race and find out that I didn't give it all. You know? I don't want to be one of those people. My daughter was a runner. And man, my baby girl was fast. Now she's married and getting old. She's like 20 years old now. So, <laughs> But man, I love to watch her run. And she ran in D1 college. And she ran state championships in high school here in Indiana. And she, she was fast. When I would watch her run, the funny thing about it was now, I, would always, I was always trying to coach her up, you know, and she'd run and she'd get to the end and she would leave like everybody else behind. Didn't happen near as much when she got to college, but she would leave everybody else behind, right? And, and she'd get in and she'd just be like barely breathing and just kind of walking around. And I'd be like, no, 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 listen, listen. I know you beat all of those other girls. But listen, you got to leave it all on the track. You should come in and collapse when you cross the finish line. You need to learn how to leave it all out on the track. And that's what we've got to do. He said, let's run with endurance the race that is marked out before us so that we accomplish everything that God has for us. And friend, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you are still here on this earth, God still has some things for you to do. He is not finished with you yet. And you need to run with endurance. Because God has some stuff left for you to do. And he said, run with endurance the race that is marked out before us. Now, I used to think that this race marked out before us was a sprint. And I would run and then I'd get exhausted and I'd hit a wall. And then I'd run and then I'd get exhausted and I'd hit a wall. Till finally someone said, no, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You need to run with endurance. You need to pace yourself. And I began to pace myself and began to understand that in this race of faith. But now I've come to believe that it's not a sprint and that it's not a marathon, but it's a relay race. It's a relay race. 
We need to run with endurance a race that is marked out before us because just like the people in Hebrews 11, there are going to be some people that come after you when you leave this earth and we need to pass the baton on to them so that they run faithfully behind us. And friend, if you do not have anyone running behind you, then you are not discipling anyone and you have not fulfilled the great commission. The Great Commission tells us this. The Great Commission tells us that we are to make disciples of every nation. That we are to make disciples of people around us. And that Great Commission is for every single one of us. That we are to go and make disciples. So who is it that you are discipling? You say, well, pastor, I'm not ready to disciple anyone. I'm not, I'm, I just don't feel like I'm there. I don't feel like I'm ready. Listen, let me tell you who you can disciple. You can disciple anyone who is on the road just a little bit behind where you are. Okay? So unless you're the worst person on earth and you are, and no one else has it worse than you, okay, then you can be discipling someone along the road. Friend, it's a relay race. I have great concern about what will happen to the generation behind us because we've already lost one generation, it seems. And it is our duty to pass the baton on to them. So we think about this relay race. And as we think about it, I think about how we, how we run this race. And oftentimes we have sideline Christians in the race. Sideline Christians running alongside and, and trying, to, trying to help us in this race. And here's, what, here's how you recognize a sideline Christian. Sideline Christians always show up in church. But the reason they show up in church is to tell other folk how they ought to do church. That's why they show up. They, they don't show up to do any of the work. They just show up to tell you how you ought to do the work. You ever met one of those? <laughs> I used to do that with my daughter when she was running. She'd be running and Debbie and I would be watching her and we, it, she'd be running in the morning sometimes and we would get a big Coke and a big box of donuts and we would be eating our breakfast of donuts and Coke and with my mouth full and big Coca-Cola in my hand which she hadn't touched in like five years because she's a runner. I, I, I would be yelling at her, hey, this is what you need to do. I'd be yelling at her in the race, you know. Not exerting any energy, just yelling at her what she ought to do, right? Not eating right, just yelling at her what she ought to do while she's running past. And a lot of folk are like that in the church. They want to they say, hey, you know what, here's what the pastor ought to do. Here's what the deacons ought to do. Here's what the Sunday school teacher ought to do. Here's what the praise team ought to do. But they don't get in the race with them. And... We need to get rid of a sideline mentality and get involved in the race ourselves. How much better would the people running the race that you see running the race run if you ran alongside them when prayer and you ran alongside them and every time you saw them do something stupid? 
You prayed for them earnestly that God would help them. How many times would it help them if you ran alongside them and every time you saw them fall down, instead of pointing out that they were on the ground, you picked them up and you said, let me run alongside you just for a little while. Let me pray for you just for a little while. Let me get in the race with you just for a little while. How much better would it be if we ran the race together? Let's run this race with endurance that is marked out before us. And let's run it with patience for one another. And then he says this. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, before the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm. This is my favorite verse. I think about that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That'll keep you focused. So we... We notice around us the cloud of witnesses. We look inside ourselves at the Spirit that gives witness to lay aside that weight and that sin. And then we look at the race that is marked out ahead of us realizing we have a mission to accomplish. But then we look above us at the King, the author and finisher of our faith. And I love that it says He's the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, that's how I know I'm a guaranteed finisher. You know, that's how I know I can't lose my salvation. The only reason I know I can't lose my salvation is because I'm not the author of my found salvation. And not only am I not the author of my salvation, I'm not even the finisher of my salvation. It is a race that you are guaranteed to finish if you only enter it. And the only way not to finish it is to not enter it. But if you enter the race of faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you can be guaranteed that if you have genuinely done that, that you will be a finisher because He's the one that puts you in the race and He's the one that will take you out of the race and He's the one that will finish the race. I love that. He is the author of the race. That means it was his idea to begin with. He's the one that thought of it. He's the one that invented the race. He's the one that marked the race out before us. He's the author of it from the beginning to the end. And then he is the one that finishes it. Friend, if it relied on me to finish, I would be sunk. If it relied on me to finish, and it relied on me, my endurance, my willpower, my fortitude, if it relied on me to keep going when I didn't feel like going, then I would have quit a long time ago. The only reason I'm still in the race is the only reason I know I'll finish the race, and that's because He's the one that finishes the race for me, in me, and through me, because He's the one that signed me up for the race and put me in the race to begin with. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And then it says, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy, the joy, 
What is the joy that keeps you going? The joy that kept him going was his return to the Father. And the joy that kept him going was our salvation that he was purchasing. And the joy that kept him going was the church that would be birthed. The joy that was kept him going was the end result of what would happen as a result of the cross. Your and my salvation his return to the Father in heaven. The joy that kept Him going. Friend, what is it? What is the joy that is going to keep you going through what you're going through now? If you're living life without purpose and you're living life without meaning, I promise you Jesus Christ can give you that joy. Jesus Christ can give you the joy that is set before you. Maybe the joy that is set before you is the salvation of your children. Maybe the joy that is set before you is the salvation of your grandchildren. Maybe the joy that is set before you is the salvation of your spouse. Maybe the joy that is set before you is the idea that you know you want to live a life that honors God and be pleasing to Him. And you know that you want to live a life in such a way that He will one day say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What is the joy that is set before you that will cause you to endure the race that is marked out. You need to have it. Jesus Christ will give it to you. And for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it says, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason He sat down is not because He was tired. The reason He sat down is because He was finished. He had bought our salvation. He had purchased our salvation on the cross. He had fulfilled the wrath of God against your sin and my sin. And then He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But then we see Stephen in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6 and 7, whenever he is martyred, we see Stephen and we see him. And it says there, as he looked up into heaven and he was being martyred, he said he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. That gets me excited, friend, because it tells me this. It tells me that he sat down because he was finished. But whenever we die and whenever we go to see him in heaven, if we are good and faithful servants, then he stands to receive His own whenever we come. I can't wait to see Him standing there whenever I get ready to see Him. And when I get ready to see Him, I want to leave it all on the track so that whenever He's standing with wide open arms by the throne of God, I will see His face and I will know that I have crossed the finish line at a dead sprint and totally and completely exhausted. That is the way I want to go. Having left it all on the track. Because we only have one life to live. And it's too precious of a life to be spent weighed down by sin, by entertainment, by tradition. It's just simply too great a life to be weighed down by any of that nonsense. The race is far too important. Remember my story about plowing behind my 
dad holding that rope? How many of you in here have been just so focused maybe on what's right in front of you that you failed to remember what's ahead of you? Let the day be the day you get refocused. And you say, I, I need to get focused on what's ahead of me. I, I can't focus on the, the trouble and trial of right here. I have to be focused on something greater than that. Let today be the day you get refocused. How many of you in here maybe have never entered the race and today needs to be the day of your salvation? Today needs to be the day that you say, you know what, that's the race I want to get in. I need to get rid of the sin in my life and I need to enter the race of faith so that I can live for something more important than my foolish self. And you want to follow Jesus Christ today in salvation. Here's the conclusion of the matter. We need to run like all heaven is watching us. And we need to run like all hell is chasing us. And we need to run like God Himself is cheering us on because He is. Pray with me. Father, Thank you for the race. Would you help us today to run it faithfully? Would you help us today to lay down our sin and our weight at this altar once and for all? Would you help us today to regain focus on you? Would you help us in this race here on this earth. Until we get to where you are in heaven. And would you help us to pass it on to someone behind us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to have a time of invitation. And if there's something you need to lay down at this altar, Come and lay it down. You notice I preached on sin and mentioned sin quite a bit, but did you notice I didn't mention any specific sin? You know what that means? That means whatever sin's coming to your mind, God convicted you of, not me, because I didn't say it. That means God's convicting you of it because you don't want to get rid of it. If you did, you already would have. God's telling you about that. If you need to get rid of it, come get rid of it. If you need to trust Him as your Savior, come and let me know that and say, I need to trust Him today. I need to get in the race today. I need to follow Jesus today. You let me know that. We'll be glad to talk with you and pray with you about that. Whatever it is you need to do business with God about, do it now. Let's stand together as we sing.